be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome again to uh, Church in the Valley. We're continuing this morning uh, the series called Catalysts, uh, specifically looking at the things that God uses to uh, grow our faith. And I would be lying if I said that we built a set here that coincides with this series. But as you see it, you may be thinking, like, what does a root canal have to do with that? Right. Like somebody pointed that out. Like that looks like a tooth. OK, I'm just going to call it out. So you're not wondering the whole time distracted. Uh, you also may notice that you're like further uh, back today. Uh, they've actually taken out a, a couple rows. And so, you know, if I get a little lonely, I may have to circle the wagon. Just tell me gap or mind the gap. I'm from England. That means like there's a space I will fall through. Uh, but we are glad you're here. Despite the changing scenery, uh, we're going to go ahead and continue in. Uh, like I mentioned, just looking at the things that that God does use to uh, strengthen or stretch or grow our faith. And we kicked off the series a, a couple weeks ago talking about the idea of faith. And really, faith is something that you place your confidence in. Uh, something that you actually put your trust in and you you decide that you're going to put the weight of your life on something. And we all place our confidence in different things, um, whether that be our goals, whether that be certain relationships, uh, whether that be just our idea of of what's important and what's not. And the degree that you have faith in something, the stronger your faith, the more likely you are to put your confidence in. And so we're looking at the fact that God uh, wants to relate to us in a way that we actually trust him uh, with with our life and for any relationship to grow and get beyond where it is uh, really trust. And that kind of faith uh, is crucial. And so last week we looked at the importance of uh, practical teaching, the importance of learning things that actually help you uh, kind of get traction in your spiritual life. And then we also talked about the private disciplines, the importance of learning how to hear from God through the scriptures and then learning also how to communicate to God through prayer and how uh, without being able to communicate with God, uh, frankly, our, our confidence in him will always be limited because we need to have this ongoing relationship with God himself where he is speaking into us. And through prayer, we, we can talk to him. And that's how real relationships go, that there's communication that happens. And today we're going to continue uh, with two more catalysts. And it's really centered on the importance of of relationships. And we're going to talk about uh, providential relationships and personal ministry, how God has wired us uh, together with groups of people. And at Church in the Valley, we use a term a lot called circles. And we talk about the circle that you're in. Well, the circle that you're in is, is the people that you relate to. Like in any circle, you're, if you're facing each other, there's this thing of you're in a group. A circle represents a group. And we all have different circles. We have Maybe our circle at work, we have our circle at school, we have our circle at home. And these are the relationships that through time uh, we build. And some of those circles uh, we choose. Uh, these are friends that we have chosen just through doing life. Uh, certainly there's circles that we don't choose. The, this would be the family that you're, you're born into. You can't choose that circle. That circle has chosen you. And many times you may think like, why am I in this circle or how did I get here? And, and oftentimes it's a combination between the, the circles you've chosen and the circles that, that you haven't. And the important thing about circles is that the relationships that you have, the people that you're rubbing shoulders with, that actually greatly determines a big part of what your life will be like. 
the people that you do life with has an impact on you personally, has an impact on where you're headed, has an impact on how you head to where you're headed. And, and it's really just a combination of what what happens in life. And there's different types of relationships. There's relationships that we really need to be pursuing that will stretch our faith, that will grow our faith. And there's there's relationships that we actually should be keeping at a distance that they, they may not be helpful at all. And so we're going to talk a little bit about all of that. But I wanted to show a clip from one of my favorite movies called The Sandlot. And The Sandlot is a baseball movie, and it's really about a kid who's new in a town, and he gets a new circle. And this circle is really a group of young boys that are focused on baseball and playing baseball and everything baseball. And the clip you're going to show is kind of where he is isolated by himself, and then he joins this new circle. Let's check that out. some ball and we need an extra guy. You want to go? No, thanks. Why not? Don't you like baseball? Oh, yeah, but, um... But what? Uh, but my glove. It's busted. Um, see, you know, I can't go. Thanks, though. It's okay. I got an extra one. Come on, let's go. about what did you say what were you born in a barn man yeah yeah what planet are you from but there was no way i could let them know you never heard of the sultan of swat the titan of terror the colossus of clout the colossus of clout the king of crash man so i lied oh yeah the great bambino of course i thought you said the great bambi that wimpy deer yeah Yes. Sorry. Just so you don't leave here having to ask a friend, the great Bambino is Babe Ruth, okay? Just in case. We don't want that to happen to you. Uh, but what you see there is like this collision of uh, two worlds. And in that instant, what the guys decided to do was to overlook his ignorance of the great Bambino, and he actually joined that circle and it actually the movie's kind of about this circle and the camaraderie and and how this just impacted their their lives and uh in all fun you could see that clip and it can bring nostalgic of maybe you growing up uh but all, you know the fact of the matter is is god actually wants to use relationships like this where we are maybe isolated and alone and kind of cut off and he wants to bring people along in our life that are going to have a great impact uh, on us and the first catalyst that we're talking about is the idea of 
providential relationships. And what makes a relationship providential is you just you're in this relationship with somebody and they're helping you out. And the way they live their life challenges you and it encourages you. And they walk with God. And even if your view of God, you're not exactly sure, you know what they're doing and why they're doing it. it there's something that just draws you to want to spend time with them. And, and you kind of look and you think like God has somehow wired this together. And that's what God does. He, he brings people along that we couldn't ourselves kind of factor in. We couldn't choose it. It just, it can happen. And, and God does that providentially. And it, oftentimes it does work with our choices. Uh, if he would have never gotten off the front porch, uh, he wouldn't have been in that group. And so in our life, we have to continually make choices towards the circles that will help us grow. But ultimately God wires that in and he looks out for us so that he brings people along that can really help. And I know in my life, when I was in high school, uh, there was one of these providential relationships that greatly helped me. It was, uh, my, my youth group leader, his name was Tim Rowe. And in high school, I was kind of a mixed bag. Like most of us, like I, I kind of thought the God thing was important, but I also thought like the sports thing was important and being cool and popular was important. And there wasn't really anything that I was pursuing more than the other. I just kind of was going after everything and thought by going after everything that I would get everything. And what I realized is that looking back that that's really not true. You actually have to decide what you're going to give your life to. And that greatly determines the outcome of your life. And Tim Rowe was a man that, that actually took time to get to know me and we would do stuff like, you know, play tennis and he would take me bowling and he would invite me over to his house and we'd play basketball. And I was not like athletic. And I say like not meaning like I sound like I am now. I am not athletic. OK, I'm like the Rudy of most sports. Like I'll try, but I stink. OK, and I can say that because it's me. But I just I've not been that athletic, but I try hard. Tim, on the other hand, was very athletic. He's like he was a sports editor, was totally into sports. And that was like me, like he'd tell me basketball and, hey, why don't you try dribbling with the other hand? And I was like, well, why would I do that? I like don't know how to do that. And he would teach me how to shoot and all. And I, I had complete ignorance. And I thought, well, wow, Tim must really love sports to want to, like, take me out and play sports. And I realized that there was actually looking back, there was something going on. And that was he actually cared about me later in high school. Uh, we actually started uh, having a Bible study at his, his house where we read through some of the Bible. And I thought like, wow, like he must not have much time or I mean, I mean, no, sorry, that didn't make any sense. He must have plenty of time if he wants to hang out with a bunch of high schoolers. And I just kind of thought like, I guess he just is looking for something to do on his Saturday morning. And now looking back, I realized like he was sacrificing his time and he had a family at the time, but he took time out of his week, his busy week for his like one day off to spend some time like helping us, me and about four other guys figure out like what it means to read the Bible and how to like learn from the Bible. And as I look back, that relationship with Tim Rowe was key to really my later in life choosing to give myself fully to God because I saw his example. I saw that he was willing to sacrifice for me tell me about the difference that God has made in his life. And from observing his life, interacting with him, it like greatly impacted my life then. And more than that, like even my future. And it's those kinds of relationships that, that greatly determines really the, the degree of 
our faith and how much it can grow. And when we're isolated and we're cut off, like right now from me to you, there's this distance and there's this barrier of the set. A lot of times our relationships can look like that where you're, you're alone and there's this great distance between you and others. And the greater the distance, the, the less impact people have on your life. And so God's continually wanting us to close the distance between us and the right kinds of people. But when you say the right kinds of people, that, that means that there are also the, the wrong kind of people, which I already mentioned. In the scriptures, you see kind of two kinds of people. And the first kind is, is really the kinds of relationships that, that you need to, to avoid. In 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And so there is a category of people that it is bad company. And these kinds of people, they, they are not going to help you in your life. And you've probably had those kinds of relationships throughout your life where you look back and you're like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have hung out with that person. If you're like me, you think like, you know, if my parents would have known what he was really like, they would have never let me do that. But, you know, I, I tell them that like 20 years later. But at the time, I, I just had this sense like, I don't know if this person's the best influence on me. And the reason is, is because people that are bad company are going after the wrong things. They tend to pull you into that. It's true. They pull you into the wrong thing. Now, the opposite is true. If bad company takes away your good morals, then what does good company do? And Proverbs thirteen twenty says this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. So, again, you see this distinction. It's not just kind of lessening the gap between you and people it's lessening the gap between you and the right kind of people and if we really want to talk about what grows our faith it's doing life with the right kind of people now you may think i have lots of friends i have lots of family i interact with lots of people the question is not the the number but it's the kind and god wants to use the right kind of people to grow us and the right kind of people to grow our faith so we'll actually live the life that pleases God. Now, all these cat- catalysts, again, are not isolated within themselves, but this aspect of the providential relationships that God uses is crucial. And as we engage in it, uh, providential relationships, they, they really do build our faith. When I started digging in the scriptures when I was younger, um, I came across a verse I'm about to read to you, which really gave me just a different picture of the kinds of relationships that God wants us to have with people. And it's found in the book of Hebrews. And it says this in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Uh, let, let us consider how to spur uh, one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's this aspect of relating to people where we should be a spur to each other. And the idea of spur is, is just like it sounds. Uh, the word like is kind of related to the thing that's in a cowboy's boot, that if you want the horse to go somewhere, you actually have to kick it with the spur. And that little spur is an encouragement to the horse like, oh, yeah, I can't just sit and eat the grass right here. I have to keep moving forward to the goal that I'm supposed to go to. And the idea of spur is that same. It's that encouragement with an edge of challenge. It's people that come alongside us that just plead for us to not give up. They model 
to us what the right thing to live for is. Through their example and through their sacrificing, they're showing us and spurring us to this life of love and good deeds, a different kind of life, not focused on self and self-promotion, but focused on actually how do we work and build with each other to be the people that God wants us to be. And the idea of, and as you see the day approaching, it's really talking about the final day. And it's saying you don't have time enough or life is too short to live by yourself. Life is too short to be separated from people. You have to get alongside. You have to spur. And it's this idea of let's consider. Let's not forget. Let's focus on this. The idea is it's so easy to make decisions that we regret and to think no one will understand. And then we just pull away. Or it's easy just to kind of want to stay at home and not interact with people. And so we, we pull away. And as we do that, we get further and further away from the people that can really encourage and help us grow. And so we've got to consider this. We have to think through what are the obstacles for me connecting to the right kind of people? That's what we all have to ask. What are the obstacles for me connecting to the right kind of people? The wise people that I can grow wise as I spend time with them. And we each have to, we each have to consider that. But again and again, this spurring and this encouragement that happens, God uses to help you see things differently. It's like if you've ever gotten advice from somebody and you could have sworn you saw just this part. And this little slice that you see, you think this is all there is to see. And then somebody gives you perspective and you realize that this slice is actually a part of a whole picture. And this whole picture you do not see. And when you see it, you're like, oh, I was looking at a slice. You're seeing something big. And that's what perspective is. It takes us sometimes from our tunnel vision, our limited experience, our limited focus, and it actually allows us to see what's really there. And that's how God uses this providentially. And so there's, there's two parts to this idea of providential relationships. The first is, who are you getting around in your life? Wise people that, that are encouraging you and are spurring you. So who are you getting around that's doing that to you? The second part is, who are you doing that to? Is there somebody that, that you could be spending time with in your circle, whether that's your family or whether that's your friends, and based on their needs, based on their maturity, based on where they're at, you know that, that you can be an encouragement to them. It doesn't mean that you're coming saying, hey, I know you need your life figured out and I'm here to help you in that. Okay, that doesn't help, but it's really this idea of you just love somebody in your life. You see that they have a need and you want to help them. With that need, you see that they have a question and you want to help answer a question. And so it's who are we connecting with that's spurring us and then who are we connecting with that that we are spurring? And this could be the same person. It could be a different person. But it's so important to take a look at these circles that we're in. And deciding, am I in the right types of circles? Am I around the right kind of people that are growing my faith? And am I around people that I can help their faith grow? And it's so crucial for each of us. We have to consider how 
how does God want to use this to grow our faith? And so that's, that's catalyst number three, providential relationships. I want to talk about uh, catalyst number four, which is connected to this. And this is the idea of personal ministry. Personal ministry is really serving that stretches us beyond our comfort zone. This isn't just the hanging out, talking with people. This is actually you go out of your way to sacrifice your time, to sacrifice your energy on behalf of someone else, their goals. And you, you decide that you want to serve them. And that can come in different forms. But the idea is you are willing to put someone else in front of you to help them with their goals, whether that's by helping them with a practical need, whether that's really pointing them to the difference that Jesus has made in your life by sharing Christ with them. That's all a part of personal ministry. And this is really the idea of as we sacrifice for others, we sacrifice to push the ministry forward, our faith grows. And if you're like me, you you have a, a limit or capacity in your life. When you look at your week, you start by looking at your day. And as you look at your day, you think all that you have to face that day. And oftentimes with me, I'm thinking, how, how is this day going to work? How am I going to get everything done? And then those days turn to a week and you think like, how am I going to get everything done by the end of this week? And sometimes the stress can mount and you can think, I can't finish this. I can't get this all done. But what personal ministry is, is realizing in the midst of that, you have your goals and you have your agenda, but you also have an opportunity to help and sacrifice for those around you. And what I found again and again is when I'm just solely focused on my own agenda and my own needs, I rarely have enough time to do what I need to do. But when I actually sacrifice on behalf of others, I find that God gives me the ability and the energy to get everything done. And that's how it's wired because just like God has sacrificed for us through Jesus, we have the opportunity to extend that and to sacrifice for others as well. And God has worked that into how life functions. That's part of reality. This idea of ministry and, and taking a sacrifice on behalf of someone else. I want to share a story from the New Testament which illustrates this. And I want to set it up a little bit. The disciples are the followers of Christ who've been learning closely about Jesus. They've been hearing lots of his stories. They've been seeing him perform miracles. And oftentimes you think about the experience of being a disciple or one of those early followers. And you think like, wow, the opportunity to be on earth with Jesus. Could you imagine that? Like we read about him in a book, in the Bible, and we read about him, but we don't have this like direct, like we've seen him. Like they've seen him. And oftentimes I think like, wow, what an opportunity. But as you read this story that I'm going to share, you get a different view. It wasn't just like they were at like a sandals resort with Jesus, right? It wasn't like, let's like hang out at the beach and you just tell us all about how life works. No, Jesus put the disciples to work. He took them everywhere he went. He allowed them to see the experiences. He wanted them to partake in the things. And, and they, were, they were tired out. And there's just hundreds of thousands of people that are coming to see. And the disciples are getting to this point where they're just they're tired out. And I want to pick up the story there. Because it's kind of where it gets real. This is their circle. 
And we kind of get this snapshot of what's going on inside of it. And there's lots of lessons we can learn. So this is Matthew 14, verse 15. Now, when it was evening, okay, evening denotes it's been a long day. Okay. The disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they, they need not go away. They, they don't have to go away. Uh, you give them something to eat. They said to him, we, we only have five loaves here and, and two fish. Did I say that it was desolate? Like Jesus, like there's not this food source that we can access. There's not a well here that we can access. It's desolate and we have limited resources. This is what Jesus said. He said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. They took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. All those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, you may have heard of this story before. This is like the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which is even more than that. But what I always have read this story is like, wow, Jesus took like a little bit of food. He said a prayer and all of a sudden it turned into like a buffet. Like I don't have a category for how that works. I don't know what the prayer was. None of us know exactly what the, the blessing was. But you've ever kind of thought like, what if I could unlock that blessing? Right? Unlimited resources. But there's a reason we don't. It's this idea of, of Jesus took it. He took care of the issue and he blessed the people. But I've always focused on that aspect. But if you look, look at this from the disciples eyes. Just a minute. Just take a look. Like, I want you to think to yourself. I know it's a Sunday morning. You're, you're tired probably, but I want you to use your imagination. Okay. And they're with the crowds and they are tired and it's getting dark. And all they're thinking about is I want to sit down. I want to put my sandals up. And I just like to eat some bread. I just like to eat a little fish in peace. And so they boldly just tell Jesus like, hey, um, like we're done. That's what they're telling him. Like we're, we're done, Jesus. In case you didn't know, it's dark. I think you did know that because remember you created the whole night and dark and light thing. But there's no more light. It's dark. Go ahead and send the people away. And get them to figure out their food situation. So they're, they're building a case for why they need to fend for themselves. It's a desolate place. There's nothing here for anyone. Send them away. The party's over. Um, it's late in the day. Okay? We don't have much time. It's time for a little R&R. Um, we're tired and hungry. And so are they. We're looking out for the crowds. So release them so they can go get their food. This is what they're thinking. Give us some R&R. Give us a break. Help us to not have to worry about the people. And so they set up this case, but Jesus doesn't, doesn't let them off the hook. Instead, he like totally flips it around. And he says, no, they, they don't have to go away. You feed them. You all feed them. I can imagine the disciples, like one of the disciples that had the idea, like, let's tell Jesus, like, the party's over. 
And then all of a sudden they go, they build the case. And then he tells them, okay, you guys feed them. You could see the other disciples are like, I knew you shouldn't have said something. Why'd you say something? And they're all mad at each other. I thought just bread was going to kind of fly down from heaven and we weren't going to have to do anything. But now you said something and now we got to work more. And you can see they're all frustrated. And why would Jesus put more responsibility and more work on 12 hungry men? Have you ever been around a hungry man? Those are like the frozen meals. Have you ever seen those? Those are actually really good, by the way, a little plug. But a hungry man is actually something that you have to be very careful of. Okay? I don't know what it is, but when a dude gets hungry, he gets cranky. And there's just something like I grew up with my dad and my dad worked a blue collar job. He was in the military and was a mechanic and he worked with his hands all day and he was tired. And there was like a buffer when he got home. Like you don't talk to him. Okay. Unless we're at the table and he's like got food in his stomach. You just leave dad alone. It's true. There's just something about a hungry man you just don't want to mess with. But Jesus instead is saying, you know what? You're relying only on what you see. Again, you see the slice. I see the big picture. And what he did in this instance was he gave them an opportunity to push past what they thought they could handle. They thought, you know, we can do this in the day. We can't do it at night. They thought we can do it with more food. They couldn't do it with little food. And so they're building a case for why it's not going to work, why they can't serve the people around them. And what happened was, is Jesus allowed them to see They couldn't do it by themselves. They needed him to intervene, and he did. He blessed the food. It was multiplied. Did Jesus hand it out? No. They still had to do the work. On their tired feet, they still had to climb and give all the people and distribute it to gather it again because we know that there was baskets left over. And so they still did the work. But what they did is they realized they, they couldn't do it themselves. Jesus intervened. And through his work, they were able to take it and bless the people. And that's what this faith catalyst is. Within your circle, there's certain things that you can do with God's help to bless and to help the people around you. And many times, it's at those moments where we think we can't do it. Like we have too much on our plate. We have too much that we have to take care of. Our work schedule is ramping up. I've already been asked to do too much. And we have all sorts of things that we limit in our life to actually extending and helping others. But again and again, God wants to diminish that barrier that we have or diminish that comfort zone that we have. He wants to push us past the comfort zone where we realize that by ourselves we can't do it. And it's right there where he's like, that's right, you can't. But with me. I will give you the strength. If you do this to please me, I will make it happen. Oftentimes when we sacrifice for others to get the credit, it's really not sacrifice. It's for self-fulfillment. But when we sacrifice because there's no way we can do it on our own, that's when God is pleased. And that's what God does through this, this personal ministry. And the same is true even for our role with people who we interact with. And for those of you that are Christ followers and you, you have this hope in God and you, you actually have this faith where you've placed your confidence in him. God wants to use you to share that hope with others. And it's the same thing. Oftentimes we limit 
God, I, I, I don't know what to say to this person. I, I don't know if the words are going to come out right. And I don't know if they're going to hear it or what if they reject me. And we have this barrier that we put there where we're not willing to share the difference that Christ has made in our life. But a key part of personal ministry is, again, wired with the providential relationships. God has placed people in your circle where you live, where you work, where you go to school, where you have an opportunity to share the difference that Jesus has made in your life. And as you do that, you never know the impact that that has. And so again and again, what builds our faith is risk. Because at the point we realize that we don't have confidence in ourselves, we take a risk. But that's also the point where we shift our confidence from me to God. And that's where we see God work. So providential relationships and personal ministry, they work together as we take a step out to close the distance between ourselves and others and to look at ways that we can actually sacrifice to be a blessing. Now, Church in the Valley, these kinds of relationships are crucial to us. This is why we do things like groups. We want you to be able to get into different circles We want you to be able to get with people that can encourage you and where you can encourage others. We also want you to be able to learn how to share your faith with others. So these are things that we want to put our resources in and we want to train people in because these two faith catalysts and what happens in relationships are crucial for our own growth and development and also the growth and development of any church. And so each of you have your circle and you have your story. And God wants to use you where you are to continue relating to those people as they grow your faith and as you can grow theirs. Or to maybe narrow the circle where you realize that these these relationships right here are, are not helping me stay on the track that God wants me to have. That brings me to my last point, which is really we all have to take an inventory of our circles. The idea is just thinking through, are you in the relationships in your life where you can really encourage those around you and where people can encourage you? And it's so easy to, to live life isolated. And if you think about it, if no one really knows you, I mean, really, like who you are what you're dealing with, what you're going through. Yeah, you you can have kind of a reserved space where you're not known, but you're also just missing out on people actually knowing you. That's how we're wired. There's this part of us that we have to be known by people. Who we really are and the masks that we have are kind of who we are or who we try to appear to be. Those can greatly impact our life, both positively or or negatively. And so who's in your circle? Um, Practical step today is you may just need to thank God. Are are there people in your circle right now where you can see God is used to grow your faith? And you can just thank him for that. You're not exactly sure how that relationship came about, but you've seen that person has really helped you grow your faith. And so you just, you just thank God for that. Uh, are there people in your circles, 
like I mentioned, that, that you actually have an opportunity to share the difference that Jesus has made in your life. And the opposite is true. Are there people in your circles that you know Jesus made a difference in your life that you need to talk to about it? You've been kind of wondering how the God factor has impacted that person. You see their life is different than maybe once you once knew or it's maybe different than your own life. And maybe you need to ask them. Tell me about this God thing. Or does Jesus really make a difference in your life? I'm trying to figure it out. And so it's, it's both ways. It's sharing or it's, or it's asking. Uh, do you need to, to widen your circle? Does God want you to extend the capacity for what you think you can handle? Are there more people that you need to take initiative with to be a friend with? Anytime you start talking about circles, you know, there's part of what's my circle. It's my circle. Well, these circles are, they're actually like open circles. A closed circle is like a click. Remember junior high, right? That's junior high. It's like a bunch of closed circles. You just hope you're in the right circle before it closes. Right? That's what we're talking about here. But the idea of circles, it's, it has to be open. It's not a secret club. You can't just run with a certain amount of people for the rest of your life and not include anyone else. Your faith can't grow. It's oftentimes difficult people or people that are not like us. That's what grows us. They see things differently. They act differently. For better or worse. So we need to continue to widen our circle. We need to continue asking who's in our circle. And so I encourage you to do that as you look at where you're at currently in your life and the inventory is maybe just look back. Who, who's really helped you? Who, who's actually kind of not? Who can you help? Who can you encourage? Just take some time to think through that. And that can really help you look to see, are you in the types of relationships that you need to be in? And at Church in the Valley, if you feel like you're not sure what circle you fit in, or you feel like your circle you need to kind of widen, we want to help you with that. We want to provide opportunities for you to be able to continue to connect and get to know us. And so by you showing up today, that's a big step. But you have to continue getting into Church in the Valley through groups and through helping and through different things. And just being willing to have conversations. And we, we want to keep getting better at widening our circle as a church. And growing. And so part of how you can do that is as you invite family and friends as well. That's a part of how we widen our circle of church in the valley. We can't be closed either. And so I encourage you just take take an inventory of that. There's kind of a truth that I want to close in related to this. And that's your faith won't be catalyzed in the comfort zone of your current circle. It's always in the widening and including where your faith is catalyzed. In closing, I want to just walk through some suggested next steps that you can take today. Uh, I've mentioned quite a few just related to the inventory you can take, uh, which that's one of them. The, the, the others are you can memorize uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. That's about the spurring. Since it says, let us consider, if you memorize it, it's something that you can actually continue to consider as you've locked it in your brain. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, You can sign up for a group. That's a practical way to to get into a circle. 
And then third, take an inventory, like I've mentioned. Uh, is there anyone to help in your life? Is there someone you can thank? There's somebody you need to get time with that you just haven't gotten time with in a while. Is there someone that you can share Christ with? Or somebody that you need to ask about the difference that Christ has made in their life? So I encourage you to do that wherever you are, to take one of those steps today. I'm going to pray and then the band is going to continue leading us in singing and then we'll receive our offering. Let's pray.